Welcome to the Skeptic Choir. Right in. Today is 30th of May. <coughs> Today is the 30th of May, 2012. It's episode 60 of The Skeptic Wire. Yay! Only five more episodes and we'll be eligible for Medicare. Oh, awesome. <laughs> if and then it's we still get retired, around. what? That's right. So I am Gary Law and I'm your host. I have something to say before I introduce everybody else. Go ahead, Gary. I felt as if I had a state of emergency today. I drank some port last night. Not a smart thing to do, but I was off the grid at the time, and I thought I could use some recovery time before I crashed. You know, get some aid in me, since I've duly exercised and drilled all week. So like the swan I am, I busted out the electric opener. Unfortunately, I'm not too smart, and I forgot, as I powered through the port, that it makes me sick, and my body's emergency response is to cause me to leak a noxious, toxic, unidentified gas that is not unlike, but completely dissimilar to pork waste. Or worse. Fortunately, I can say this biological threat to my health passed quickly, and I am fine. I really need to become resistant to this chemical agent so my symptoms don't spill over into my normal day, and this hazardous plume doesn't cause an incident by making people think they've been attacked by a nerve agent or something. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Just like throw that out there for you. With me is Donna Swafford. And I have an important news update. The blackout on the bar today caused a myriad of stranded people to shelter in place to avoid human-to-human contact of influenza, smallpox, listeria, Ebola, plague, and food poisoning, while the SWAT and Homeland Security personnel attempted to avoid the obvious pandemic of infections brought in by the IRA, the ETA, the PLF, the PLO, the AQAP, the TTP, the AQIM, the FARC, the DMAT, the CIKR, the WMATA, the MARTA, WHO, H1N1, and the MDA, which should not be confused with the Muscular Dystrophy Association. (laughs) Nice. Okay. Uh, Thank you, Donna. Greg. Greg Perrine, who's also a host. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, since you guys had your own little thing, I might as well uh, pass along some news. Um, The Maritime Domain Awareness Initiative canceled the pirate target bust plot while merely delaying the Tijuana Metro Cloud response recall. After the exercise, a wave of human-to-human coordination led to a flood of interdepartmental enrichment. The staff drank mudslides, and they played Twister. No pork from North Korea was burned in this instant. (laughs) Okay, we will uh, tell you what that was about, in case you can't figure it out from the show notes. If you have the show notes. Spoiler. Okay. Spoiler! (laughs) Don't read the show notes. (laughs) Don't read the show notes. (laughs) These are not the show notes you're looking for. <laughs> Stop! No! Don't look at the show notes. Bad listener, don't Bad look at the show notes. Yes. Bad listener, no donut. <laughs> or should be no pork. No pork. No anthrax for you! <laughs> so do we have any birthdays today, Greg? Yes. We, uh, we have a fun little skeptical birthday. Uh, do either of you know who Bruno Groening was? Uh, was he Isn't the father he the guy that Matt did um, did The well, Simpsons? No, not that's not Matt, Matt Groening. 
Uh, Gary, you had a guess. The father of Matt Groening. Oh no, not in. Uh, not but I'm not going to say Simpsons. I'm going to say um, Futurama. No, I wasn't going to say Futurama. I was going to say uh, Life, is say Life is Hell, the comic. <laughs> no, not. Oh, I was, I was, I was reading Groening before you got animated. <laughs> well, he was born in 1906. Wow, in, that makes him really old. Yeah, <laughs> but he died in 1959. He was a um, a faith healer. Oh. He decided that health uh, came from the absorption of a divine life force uh, he called Heelstrom. Oh. Heelstrom. Which um, translates somewhere to something like healing energy. Of course. Um, his, his basic metaphor was that um, spiritual f- uh, forces have... A, an effect on incarnate beings. And he, he, he used the metaphor of comparing people to a battery. Batteries use up energy, and then they're empty, and then they can't do things. Well, a body without energy is unable to fulfill tasks. We call that dead. <laughs> or exhaustion. <laughs> well, oh. he just called it fatigue, exhaustion, <laughs> nervousness, anxieties, and then if that kept going, it would lead to illness. So he figured well, that's out true. He figured out how to obtain new energy, which was um, which is fortunate because the human body, according to um, BrunoGroening.org, <laughs> uh, is wow. constantly he, in- he's dead and he has a website. Oh yes, um, the human body is constantly environed by healing waves, which only just they just have to be absorbed and all you like have food to, <laughs> all you have to do to absorb this healing stream is to sit with I'm your, sitting with your hands open open palms upward palms upward arms and legs not crossed so donna all right for if you had your arms or legs crossed that would block the flow of the healing stream so no gangsters exactly okay so, thoughts about illness and personal problems would also inhibit the effect. Ah. But you have to think about something pleasant and beneficial. This way, Happy. the healing stream will flow through your body, make contact mm. with whatever sick organ you have, and begin the purification effect. Because, okay. according to this guy, since illness is not the will of God, so all oh, you have to do that's, is... That's the whole palms up. I, I, I guess I've seen so, it yeah. in my brother's churches. But apparently this is just... You don't have to actually... You didn't have to be in the presence of Bruno Grinning. All you had to do was do, the, do this every day and absorb this divine power. And, and, and you, would be, you would be healed. There was a whole list of things like allergies, disorders of the eye, respiratory system, blood vessels, endocrine system. What if your brain is the problem? Gynecological disorders? <laughs> I would, okay, skin I was going disorders, to ask about this. Ear, nose, so, and if you sit there okay. and yeah, do this, <laughs> and you're horny, and you think about puppies, isn't that sort of like a spiritual bestiality thing? It is kind of secret-esque. In that whatever you think of, if you're thinking of what was because it, it's naked a, it, puppies or it's whatever a, it's she a, said. It's a think of something, you know, kind and gentle and loving mm. and all of this. My immediate goes, you know, like little puppies and kittens kind of frolicking and having a good time. Does, does no, that no. mean like I'm a pedophile bestiality No, mess? no, no. It just means that you're thinking of something beneficial, something pleasant. 
But uh, and and but to take care of if you do all this, you can be part of the circle of friends, which is what the followers of Bruno Groening to this day call themselves. Wow, and they're the ones who created the Bruno Groening website. So he's like he's like on Google Plus as well. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think there is. I didn't look, but there. I think there might be a Facebook page for him. Well, Um, because circle of friends is what Google calls their friends. Oh, I see. I was going to say, and there's a cheesy semi-romance novel that was made into a movie with um oh i can't think of are, are we on the same conversation <laughs> called circle of friends oh there's a I was movie called the edie oh. burkell song circle you know me you're part of my circle of friends and you don't come around anyway yeah, but was... the the final irony <laughs> Just, yeah she's saying it like that <laughs> yes Exactly like that. Shut up. <laughs> but the final irony of Bruno Groening's life is, I told you he died in 1959, so he was 52 at the time. He died of stomach cancer. Oh. Not mm. much of a divine healer there, isn't it? Hmm. Hmm. Well, that wasn't among the lists of the things that can be cured. <laughs> well, it was, it was somewhere on that list. Cancer, number 18, malignant tumors. Well, maybe it wasn't malignant. <laughs> if it was a, wasn't malignant, how the hell did it kill him? It was. It was sort of. It wasn't maligning him. It was just sort of skulking. <laughs> I was going to say it was just sort of. I don't know, inhibiting his ability to process foods and digest. Yeah. But like I said, maybe. What, so what if what if your brain is the problem? I mean, what, what what if that's the problem area? So if you have a brain problem, you can't possibly get the brain to work properly to get the good healing influx. You're asking for logic? I don't know. Yeah, there's your problem, Gary. Yeah. Always being logical and reasonable. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll I be mean, I'll be think, sure to, to You would think that this would be reasonable. a skeptical podcast. Yeah. So Bruno Groening, born May thirtieth. Shut up, you're pissing off the fairies nineteen oh six. See that's what happens when I'm unreasonable. <laughs> you yell about fairies? <laughs> Amongst other things. Moving on. Well, thank you for that, Greg. You're welcome, Gary. Moving on. <laughs> I really don't know how to segue into this Texas A&M professor who has been... Sorry, adjunct professor who has been um, not well, taken back in after standing up for Relieved of, of her church. educational duties. There we go. Why don't you tell the, the whole story, because not everybody reads our Facebook page. Well, I know part of the story. Texas okay. A&M in San Antonio, not the actual full campus, but like one of its satellite campuses, sort of a circle of friends campuses in San Antonio. Tamusa, which really sounds like something that you need a shot for. It does. Or an but, Italian you know, dessert. It, it used to be, though. I'm hungry. It used to be Tamuksak. Which really made it sound like something that you needed a shot for. And something that you're probably embarrassed about talking about. So they were... Anyway, this college were... Was... Were... Were... Were building an entrance. And they have putting they were putting crosses in the entrance. On this tower on thing. On this tower thing. I know because... It was like Tower um, of Hope or whatever. Well, Michael has actually one of the bricks because he was actually one of the first 500 graduates of Temusa. Alrighty. They gave him a brick with his name. So Texas A&M being a public university, this adjunct professor, Sissy Bradford, 
um, made a complaint, and I think the ACLU heard about it, Americans and, United for Separation of Church and State, I think, or one of those churchy, statey, separation-y organizations uh, got in on it, and it quickly went away because the people who were in charge said, you know what, you're right, we shouldn't have crosses. It was taken down, but unfortunately... This uh, professor kept on getting threatened. And... She, she started getting email threats, yeah. and she went public with it yeah. because she felt that the, the, the board – the, the, the Borg? The, the Borg. Simulated. She felt that the university wasn't taking the threats seriously, and the police weren't taking it seriously either. Yeah, she said she went to campus security, and they just said, no, we're not going to take this. They didn't even write things down. And log it and say, yeah, sure, we'll look into it and not okay. do anything. They just said, no, we're not going to listen to you. Right. And According to her. According to her, right. Now, she teaches criminology. So she might know a little bit about law. And just a bit. Stuff. Yeah. Just, just, just go she, go she. Yeah. But the, the, the news of the last couple of weeks is that, you know, this, this whole thing with the crosses happened, I don't know, some months ago, and it was done, it was over with. There were people who were harassing her, but... Um, it, the the whole case was done. Yeah, it was last fall. And now they've uh, apparently Texas A and M has decided not to let her. Well, basically, she was teaching four courses, and they said you're not going to be teaching any of them. This no, we can't. We semester. can't give you any classes. They said. Yeah. I'm so, writing to inform you that the School of Arts and Sciences will not be able to offer you any classes in the fall semester. So I, you know, maybe it's a bunch of assholes on the board. Maybe they just didn't want to deal with the publicity. Maybe they're really cut for budget, and she was the, you know, an adjunct professor doesn't have tenure or anything. So which means they can't be fired for any any reason, pretty much. I mean, as an adjunct professor, you can get fired because you don't have a certain amount of, um. Positive evaluations no. Which, by students. Which, in her case, she, she actually had very positive. Okay. According to the article I'm reading in InsideHigherEd.com. Uh, so a spokeswoman for Texas A&M San Antonio um, that said that uh, Bradford was among 20 adjuncts who were not offered employment for the fall. She said, quote, adjunct Faculty members are all appointed on a semester-by-semester -semester basis as needed by the university. It's, this is common practice. There is no expectation of continued employment. Yep. So there's there, there's a possibility of actual mundane explanations, right. but it doesn't look that great. Well, no. I, I, in higher education, you have adjunct, tenure-tracked, tenured associate, full, and then you start getting into the emeritus. Adjunct is really the scraping the bottom of the barrel. Right, but you would think that since right now universities are having a bit of a problem retaining students and, and even attracting a lot of students because of prices and, mm -hmm. and the economy, that if you have a good professor, you would keep them around. But also because of those rise in the prices and students oh, sure. not continuing – they're also facing facing budget crisis. Sure, I'm just to but, play the devil's but the, advocate. But the here. lack of concern over the problems she was having, yeah, uh, does raise the specter that this was purely a political, uh, or 
What's the word? Stab in the back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm agreeing with you guys wholeheartedly. I'm just, you know, playing the devil's advocate here. Oh yeah, I, I agree. I, there's there's a lot that we don't know, but it it does make it easy that if you can get rid of someone who is causing problems for the university, that you would get rid of them. Right. Although in a university setting. Having someone who disagrees with you is actually kind of a good idea because it allows, especially something as mundane, I suppose, as this, uh, and that did have state church-state separation issues. It was an important point. As much as I hate the phrase, there's something to be said for academic freedom yeah. of having someone who it, well, is outspoken. Especially in the university. I mean, yeah. if if you're going to stifle... The entire point of of the university, which is free exchange of ideas, you know, yeah. you're really cutting down on your ability to call yourself a good university. Well, <laughs> it's it's also a, like you said, once a matter. It is she is on the adjunct. Had yeah. she been tenure tracked or a, a full associate or a full professor, she could have you know done the Ward Churchill thing, you know, yeah. where she just you know any, anything that comes out of their mouths. And the university can't do shit. Right. <laughs> so she should have waited. <laughs> yeah. Well. But I, should, I applaud, no, her, I right applaud her for standing up. Yeah. So good for you, sissies. Hopefully, or Dr. Bradford. Yes. <laughs> Let's not get too familiar here. No. Hope everything works out for you. Well, speaking of other things that are hard to explain... <laughs> True. Over on the uh, in Boston, there's a pole dancing studio that now has been featured on A and E's biography for their ghosts. Wendy Reardon, who owns the pole dancing studio, The Gypsy Rose, was featured on the My Ghost Story this past Saturday night. Well, it was a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago. Sorry. And apparently what happens is is that when she pole dances, she has ghosts watching her. Woohoo! Yep. But, Appara- but apparently they're, they're, they're only ghosts when it's, it's on, on video. video. Yes. You can only <laughs> see them on video. She does have a video of it up on Facebook. We'll make sure we put that on the, um, the, the show notes and everything so you guys can watch. Um, it's 21 seconds long. Um, I invite you to, you know, make your decision about whether or not these ghosts are watching because it doesn't appear that they tip very well either. That's that's one thing that I noticed. They they were not leaving very much money for the pole dancer. Okay. Well, it's a studio, so it's not a (laughs) yeah. And one thing you should know about this video: if you're listening to this podcast while at work, she is clothed, so you can watch this video if you have YouTube access. Yes, it is safe for work. It is safe for work. But you just see her twisting around this pole, and a few times during the video, you mm-hmm. see something streak across the video. That's... Okay. Not that poor, kind of streak. Poor cho- choice of words. <laughs> something... Um, moves quickly across the video. Something... Strip across the light. Light. Something um, shiny. <laughs> and not her outfit. It's a very small dot of a pixel or whatever. Right. Going across, and it, the and it does it does streak. It does yes. streak yes. in a um, orbital <laughs> fashion. Well, it's diagonal, kind of here yeah. and there. It's not like perfectly horizontal or perfectly vertical. 
Um, no. and it does take a, a orb like trajectory. Yeah. Well, we we were talking like before a the disco show orb like trajectory. Yes, we were talking about, uh, before the show about some of the ideas that might explain it, and Gary just alluded to one: the, the disco, disco ball, ball that, uh, could be anything because you don't you don't get a a good picture of the studio. I mean, she's got the camera set up so you see the pole, and that's that's, that's the whole it. point. That, yeah. You know, uh, but it. I imagine she probably does have a disco ball in there because that makes things exciting, doesn't it? Yep. And so it could be well be a, 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 a light could be on the other side. Well, it could be a car passing by that's flashing through a, a window, a window or something, and as it's going by, it, it causes this. There's any number Bro, of things, but we don't know. There's also the dust. Yeah, it could it could be uh, dust orbs, right? But I don't think it's that because it acts it a little bit more the, like it, the trajectory, especially yeah. the very last one in this video. It it kind of hugs the ceiling and the wall, and then at the yeah. very end, it sort of comes into the camera. If you want right. to uh, put that onus upon it, <laughs> and then there's the, always the standard answer of it could have been photoshopped. It's possible. Or the video equivalent. Yeah, we just refer to it as photoshopping okay, yeah. it. It could have been Because post- saying nuke or any of those other things, nobody's ever going to understand those terms. It could have been put in post. Well, yes. One, one of the things I'm pretty sure it's not is it's probably not a bug in front of the camera. Because no. it is a fairly so. straight line path, except for that last bit where it kind of goes up against the camera. Yeah. And it's obvious. It looks very light generated. It's it's yeah. a bright yeah. light. It's not a bug. It's not a bug going random directions. And it's no. yep. you know, once it gets right up against the thing, it's it's bright. Whatever it is. But the the interesting thing about this to us is we posted this this story on our Facebook feed this last week and Twitter as as we go along and you know through the week and think of stories. And apparently this, this woman, Wendy Reardon, found us and uh, responded on our Facebook page saying, you know, this is, you know, she feels it's really real. And if you, you know, ever want to come on by and see them, you can. Well, you know what? I invite her to send us the airline tickets so that we can come and investigate ourselves. <laughs> there is a skeptical group in the New England area that's a little bit more famous than us a little closer <laughs> than us but i mean if there's that other if if you're guided to talk to another group in another universe <laughs> about skeptical things maybe yes fly us out to boston and we'll watch you pole dance and be mocking we won't mock no we will run we will be there to to investigate to it. To run an investigation. Sure. See what and is then, causing it. And then, and then we go find mock. a good old-fashioned <laughs> Boston Irish bar, and then we start the mocking. Yeah. Okay, yes. It'll be interesting to see if they if it's just in her studio or if they follow her. Because if we could just go straight to the pub. Well, in the, <laughs> yeah, just in front of the pub. In the article, it talks about that in her original studio, she saw these things on the videos. Then she moved to another studio and asked the ghosts to come with her. Huh. And, and apparently they did. they did. Okay, so if good. So if we so show up there, just meet us at the pub. A pub with a pole. Actually, Irish pubs have poles, so I'm pretty sure we could probably just 
you know, just go right in there and grab ourselves a nice, well, not you, but uh, he, Craig. He could grab a nice chocolate milk while the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> have, have a good, good draft. Mmm, chocolate. Yeah. And speaking of chocolate. What? Yeah, that has nothing to do with the Texas primary. Hmm. Um. Chocolate. Choc? Cho. Co? Oco? Ocho. No. Late? The primary was chuck bullet full of crazies. <laughs> I like that one the best. <laughs> okay. So well, speaking of Texas primary, primary elections. <laughs> crazy is a chocolate. chocolate. Everyone likes chocolate, especially when you're about to vote. Voting. Speaking about voting, we had Texas primaries. <clears throat> which Romney, no one likes. Yeah. Well, Mitt Romney pretty much... Sitch the Republican nomination, thanks to Texas. And in addition, we had the many of the Texas State Board of Education, the final battles, shall we say, have now been decided. Because all of the positions for the State Board of Education due to redistricting are having to be voted in. Correct. And Gail Lowe, the incumbent who we all love... Well, not me. Yeah, well, I, I'm being facetious. Oh, Sarcastic, even. She has served as the board chair during our controversial adoption of new social studies things. Unfortunately, she lost her bid for re-election in the Republican contest. She will not be facing the Democratic nominee. We're very sorry. Now, a, I'm just curious if the person who's replacing her on the Republican side is more or less batshit crazy? Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> um, actually, I think I think a less, because really it's hard to get more. <laughs> you never know. But, yeah, so we, we there were also elections in the, uh, for the Senate seat that Kay Bailey Hutchinson left, and there's going to be a run out, run out. Run off between the two Republican candidates. Run off between two Democratic candidates. It doesn't really matter. They're not going to win anyway. It's possible. It's possible. Well, I do want to mention that four candidates of the religious right faction did win their primaries for the State Board of Education. And three lost. Barbara Cargill, Ken Mercer, David Bradley, and Marty Rowley have all made it into their elections for the State Board of Education. Um, but Anzal Dua, Stevenson, and Fleece, who were, once again, serious right-wing contenders, they lost as well. So it, it seems like it's kind of an even-even split between not-so-crazy Republicans and, well, the batshit crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see how this turns out in the election in November. Yep, so please vote... Just vote. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but preferably someone who actually wants to do something about education. So did everybody here vote? Yes. Good. We are all responsible citizens. I came really close to getting a mani-pedi instead, but decided that (laughs) actually, you know, that whole voting and being a good citizen thing was more important. Important, yes. All right. Well, speaking of religious fervor, no. (laughs) Okay, so before I get into this article, I have to preface this with the fact that I found it on 
of all things WorldNet Daily. WorldNet Daily! <laughs> WorldNet Daily recently <laughs> I just wanted to make it sound more impressive than it really was. <laughs> Why? <laughs> WorldNet Daily with recently wrote an article based on a Knights of Columbus slash Maris poll, which interviewed, surveyed huh, 1,600 people okay. to find out their their thoughts about Obamacare and uh, religious rights and a bunch of crap like that. Now, they did say that their survey was a random list of phone numbers. Right. That it wasn't it was. just a list of Republican phone numbers. Right. So at least there's that. Right. It was um, 1,606 people, ages 18 years and older, in the continental United States, selected based on a list of phone number exchanges throughout the nation, used to ensure that each region was represented in proportion to the population. Okay. Results were statistically significant within plus or minus of 2.5%. So they interviewed them, and they basically, the headline says that three out of four people religion trumps law. That's their headline about this. So that if 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 ever religion huh. differs from a law, the law the law should be secondary to whatever a religion says. 74% said religious free, freedom of religion should be protected even if it conflicts with other law. Okay, so what that, about other religions? Didn't cover that. <laughs> And once again, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how they're extrapolating from 1,600 people. To 300 million? Yeah. Well, because I actually did the math, and it's something like 5.0 to the 10 to the minus 6. Well, that's, that's how statistics are, are done. <laughs> um, respondents said that there should be opt-outs for abortion-inducing drugs in vitro fertilization that could result in the death of an embryo, medication to speed up the death of a terminally ill patient, and including birth control pills. So basically this was in response to the Obamacare's long-going battle with many Catholic, specifically, but religious organizations about the health care mandate. Well, but with 1,600 people, you have no idea... It's not representative. Exactly. Well, it's, because it's, there's thirty thousand different religious uh, Christian <laughs> religious sects. In the it's, it's at least close to being representative in that there, the opinion poll asked also asked about if same sex marriage was morally wrong. Right. And it was about fifty two percent wrong, forty five percent right. So it's close to the national average, at least on that. But they also in this survey said that. Nearly 9 in 10 Americans also agree that religious readers should speak out on issues of religious freedom, but they also said that an overwhelming majority of Americans believe that forcing healthcare workers and doctors to provide abortion when they object for religious reasons is morally wrong. Morally acceptable. What? I just read that from the article. The survey found <laughs> yeah. that an overwhelming majority of Americans believe that forcing healthcare workers and doctors to provide an abortion when they object for religious reasons, is morally wrong. Well, then the doctor shouldn't be in that particular portion of the profession. Yeah. And I don't think they are. Right. If you, it's stupid. Uh, Who's, who, who is forcing doctors to... To be to, an obst to, obstetrician, gyne gynecologist? It, 
The, I mean, okay, you These don't want to perform abortions, go be a podiatrist. Yeah. Or, you know, don't offer abortions. I mean, it, it, the, the doctors don't have to provide this service. Now, pharmacists, on the other hand, shouldn't have a moral obligation uh, or shouldn't be able to dissent on giving you medication that's prescribed to you. So if a doctor prescribes you that morning after pill, for example, you know, are you 480, whatever the hell it is. Are you 486? Okay. Uh, there's a joke there, as we all know. Um, if, if you've been prescribed this, the pharmacist shouldn't have the right to refuse to fill that prescription because he doesn't know anything about what's going on. Right. It could be, it could be for, for any number of reasons. But a doctor uh, shouldn't be, I mean, no one's forcing them to. It's it's like if you worked Stupid. at a bookstore, if there is a bookstore still around, and you decided you had a moral objection to selling anybody any of the Twilight novels. Or Harry Potter, right. And you say, you know what, I don't think anybody should be allowed to buy that, so I'm not going to allow... I'm not yeah. going to ring up anybody who has a Twilight book in their selection. No. And you can get fired for that because you're not doing your job. Right. Now, you're in, not in, servicing the people who... In, in the case of, uh, of a hospital where lots of doctors work, for example, um, if they receive public funds, then they have to offer the full range of benefits that they can. Except that there are a lot of federal restrictions on funding abortions. There are, yes. yeah. Um, but I was thinking of, say, the the 13-year-old, and it's not in the United States, but that 13-year-old who got raped by her father-in-law. I think she was like 10, down in, somewhere in South America. Brazil, yeah. I think. Okay. And they went batshit over the fact that yeah, and, and, she was a, had an abortion. Yeah, she, had, she was going to have twins, and it was going to kill her, and the twins. So they chose the best thing to do was to abort the, the pregnancy. Sometimes abortion is the correct moral choice. Yeah. Well, yeah, not if you're Catholic. <laughs> well, my Which main issue with this with this study that the World Net Daily, sorry, World Net Daily, uh, gleefully quotes and and talks about is it, they don't really say how the questions were actually phrased because right. a lot, especially over the survey of a small amount of people, it really depends on how you phrase oh, yeah. a question. I you know, just thinking about the Texas primary that we just went through. <laughs> I looked on both the Democratic and Republican side and they each had kind of um oh, what's it called? referendums. Right. They each had referendums for their party to say, you know, are we, is this going to be part of our platform? And some of the legalistic Triple, quadruple negative language that they were using obviously is designed to confuse the voter into voting a certain way. And you can do the same exact thing with survey questions. And they don't give any examples of any of the survey questions, but they obviously, the author of this article draws very broad conclusions from whatever that language was. Well, it, that's been happening for a while now across the United States, because if you look at the recent Washington state referendum to remove civil unions when it went out, yeah. a lot of people were very confused who were signing on to it, but it 
the way that the question was presented, it sounded like, basically, do you favor civil unions? But what it really said was, are you favoring the removal of? <laughs> yeah. And there, there has actually been several lawsuits in that case now of people who are like, I signed this. I was not clear on what it said. Yeah. So, you know, I just, it's a, a, it's a poor survey, poorly written article, poorly done. It's just poor. Not good. I'm sure there's a lot of money behind WorldNet Daily, but, but that's, yeah. that's the only way they're not poor. What <laughs> I disliked about it was the fact that they come in here and they're trying to make it sound so scientific. You know, we, we sampled from this and we did this and, you know, we use these telephone exchanges to, you know, get this even distribution and everything else. Yeah, and like 1,600 people out of... It's, it's not bad it's, for a general survey... Because you 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 call you know five thousand people or ten thousand people just to get a, a thousand responses. Most people say no, I'm not interested. Right. So it's it's not I'm I'm not too worried about the sixteen hundred number because it is just a dinky little survey. Yeah, but, but they're trying to make that sixteen hundred seem like it's truly indicative of the United yeah. States. I, w- I was bothered by the fact that they they said you know fifty percent of Americans believe this and sixty percent of Americans no. Sixty percent of Americans surveyed, surveyed. Yeah. said this. And so, you and, always and the, have to remember that that qualifying language just did not come right. Because I mean, the, it, the headline is three and four say religious rights trumps law. <laughs> you know, and if if that was true, this podcast would not be on the air, <laughs> right. and we would be in the theocracy. Yeah. So. A full, well, no, a full on theocracy. No, it wouldn't apply to us. We're only three people. We're not four people. Ah. Hmm. That's well, how math works, right? Right. I was I was a psychology major, so what do I know? Yeah, statistics. <laughs> what do you know? I have one patient. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> so, speaking of psychology. Yes, which is sort of a science, isn't it? Yes. A soft science. To be sure. a, it's a the science of a brain, and one and one of a brain that I thought was interesting and I thought was neat was myambalic. Ah. Bialik. 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 Frack! I'm gonna. Hey, my hey! It wasn't the bet that I was taking that you were gonna just screw it up with. Just <laughs> accept the fact that I'm gonna mispronounce that name and let's just move on. My. <laughs> Maya Bialik. Maya Bialik. <laughs> just, just, okay. I'll say it once and then splice it in any other time I ever just say it. Just call her Ms. B. Or Amy, Amy Farrah Fowler. <laughs> so, when I was a little kid, I had a big crush on Maya Bialik as Blossom. I thought she was really cute. Never saw it. I guess I went for the non-traditional beauty Anyway. And did she blossom? Well, she did because she went to UCLA and got a neuroscience PhD. Or a PhD in neuroscience. If you want to say it that way, sure. <laughs> he's, he's working That's up generally for... the way it's said. You're still obviously so tongue-tied when you're in your love for this blossom girl. I didn't say love. No, lust. lust. <laughs> 
Mayam Bialik got a PhD in, in neuroscience, neuroscience from UCLA. You'd think that that would make her quite the intelligent, science-based, reasonable, logical person. Unfortunately, no. Really? Appar- she only plays that on TV. Yes, apparently she's become um, quite the woo-meister because she's, um, she's gotten to this attachment parenting thing. Which um, Does that have anything to do with duct tape and children? No, not so much. Okay. But um, they're big on things. See, it's 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 really weird because to go back a step, attachment theory is this psychological theory where they they talk about the idea of when you're a developing child, you either develop in a secure attachment to your primary caregiver, mostly your mom, probably your dad as well. Or you have an insecure attachment to your primary caregiver. And it, it manifests itself a lot in when you're around your caregiver, are you able to, is the infant able to explore their world and um, confidently go about just, you know, seeing what's around them and, and, and not being insecure about their primary caregiver? So when the primary caregiver goes away, there's some trauma in that they cry, like they they don't want the caregiver to go away. But when the caregiver comes back, they're secure and they, oh, they're back, it's okay. If you're insecure, you maybe will ignore the caregiver when they come back because they never pay attention to you anyway. It's a lot of developmental psychology about uh, kids developing proper attachments to other people. And especially this is all tied together in the whole thing of anti-vaccination spoiling your community and it's it's really scary that you know someone like we've talked about at the beginning who's so who is trained in science neuroscience which is a lot of biology can be very anti-vaccination yeah anti-medicine in that she insists that home birth is the 100 percent way to go that you know she wrote this whole um big money saver on i think it was msnbc or something yeah. Um, talking about how women shouldn't fear the home birth because, you know, birth at a hospital is just kind of like, it's very kind of big pharma of, you know, we, people have given birth at home for thousands of years and right. all that kind I, I of can, stuff. Well, see, I can understand the, the, the home birth thing. Um, there's, <clears throat> but there's, there's a level of. Not, the way the way that she's putting yeah. it, I mean, because obviously not trusting the hospital at all, right? Obviously, there's you're right. Natural childbirth is natural, um, and if you if you're constantly granted, I'm a guy, I don't have any children, but if if you're in tune with your doctor, you go for your regular checkups, you get your ultrasound, and the baby is going to be fine, you're not going to have any problems, or any obvious problems, you right. know, there's no complications like the cords around the neck or it's, you know, sideways or whatever, then, you know, natural childbirth at home or whatever, there's probably no reason not to as long as you have some trained professional people. And you have a backup plan ready to go to the hospital right. at a moment's notice. Right. So, you know, and that probably saves you a shitload of money. Right, but sometimes a moment's notice is not enough. This is true. And and the way she framed in her op-ed on MSNBC the idea that sometimes interventions will be necessary, she frames it in the idea of, you know, oh, when they give you uterine contracting drugs or they um, 
what is it? The um, they they do the cutting of the vaginal wall. The episiotomy. Episiotomy. Thank you for pronouncing that first. <laughs> um, to make for quicker births if necessary. She really latches on to the worst case scenarios, where sometimes interventions of just you know a cord wrapped around a neck. You need to know that you know as soon as you can. But she also talks bad about things like you know ultrasound to track the the birth process just in case that you know oh this is just all not necessary well an ultrasound during the during the birth process saved my daughter's life so i only have one thing to say about that and the word is bitch <laughs> yeah and and that no. leads us back to vaccination because donna you have mentioned several times that on my podcast. daughter has a she has a neurological condition which um, which they know about. Right. Which is indicative of receiving the pertussis vaccine. Right. So people like Mayam Bialik. Yay! So people like Mayam Bialik are endangering Contra- the health of your child, young babies who can't get the pertussis vaccine. Vaccinated yet because they're a young, young baby and they're not ready yet for the schedule. Or, or immunosuppressed. People- yeah, people with immune problems, uh, the, the whole thing. But she should know better. Yeah. So, one, she's trained and she should know better, but also she's got this celebrity pulpit, and it's just as bad as Jenny McCarthy. Well, it's worse than Jenny McCarthy. Yeah. Yeah, but to me, it, it is because, much worse. Because Jenny, it, it, Jenny McCarthy it, it, hasn't been in any role that portrays her as an intelligent person. <laughs> right. Whereas and Maya Bialik plays... Plays a, scien- a scientist. She, she not only is a scientist, she plays one on TV. Right. It's it, Yeah, it's got more weight because she has gone through training. Right. right. And she has actually responded to the... Um, to the geek mom... The um, Maya Bialik, you're doing it wrong or something. You yeah. disappoint me. She's actually responded to this article. I just found Did it. She? she says she's that she's not going to bite into all of the the articles that are being written about her and, and everything else. She does give the little quote nibble. Children today get about four times as many vaccines as the average thirty five year old did when we were kids. Besides visiting the CDC website and finding out who gets diseases the medical establishment vaccinates for and the why, where and when, here are the books that we use, blah 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 blah. And she lists these two books. One of which is by Robert Sears. So, and apparently Robert Sears in the book actually says that vaccinations are the current way to go. Yeah. William Sears. What did, what did I say? No, Robert. it's Robert Sears. Robert Sears, I think, is William Sears' son. Okay. And he's kind of gone the slightly crunchier. Crazier route. Okay. Yeah, because there's some part of this attachment parenting thing that's the umbrella over this that, you know, have said... You know, there's, you know, uh, Ma'am Bialik said that she doesn't think that there's any position from attachment parenting on it. But William Sears did say that, um, you know, vaccines carry a little risk and they prevent diseases and on that sort of thing. Yeah. But I guess there are members like this other Sears who are very crunchy and crazy. Well, but, Dr. Bob Sears is the one who put out the alternative vaccination schedule. Right. It's the the uh, too many too soon argument uh, that right. a lot of vaccine deniers 
cling to as their last resort if they still <laughs> have to do something for school or something. Yeah. But there's never been any... There's plenty of evidence showing that vaccine, the vaccine schedule, first of all, is heavily researched and is safe as long as the, as, as in addition to the individual vaccines. And she should know this. Right. And this whole thing about, you know, oh, sure, you know, a child is getting, you know, eight times more vaccines as we did, you know, 30, 40 years ago. You're coming into contact with how many more times toxins than that right. every day for example oh radio waves <laughs> well just just bacteria and viruses there's plenty right. of that, that we don't have vaccinations for i didn't you know when i was a kid and i think probably the same for you guys there was no chicken pox vaccine nope i you got know, the chicken pox. we got so the chicken pox and that was you know that's just was part of childhood i didn't hear about until a couple of years ago the chicken pox vaccine because it wasn't part of my my wheelhouse but you know, there's there's something to be said about more vaccines are good, in that we're preventing more and more diseases. That's not a bad thing. No, it's it's you know just because you know we didn't have the internet or cell phones when she was a child, <laughs> so why why are vaccines bad? Yeah, or or cruise control or power <laughs> windows. Or, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of things or. Um, a non-CFC uh, air conditioning units. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things that we didn't have even 10 years ago. And so she's she's really appealing to everything was better in the past kind of Well, I guess, I guess my issue with her is, is that when she writes about these issues, about the attachment parenting and everything else, she plasters that fucking PhD everywhere, which yeah. is giving her that label of authority. And then so she comes out with, excuse me, batshit crazy shit that is detrimental and harmful. You, She wants to say, oh, well, I'm not going to discuss vaccines because it's not a per se issue of of attachment parenting and everything else, then quit slapping your fucking PhD and acting like you fucking know it all. Excuse she, my fucking language. <laughs> she talks a lot about, well, I just did the research and I talked to my pediatrician and I researched the CDC website, which I highly doubt because there's nothing on the CDC website that tells you to avoid vaccines. No. So but she talks a lot about, you know, oh, I just did this research. You can do this research too. One. No, most people can't. I've exactly. I've actually been on the CDC website and I've downloaded uh, a couple of studies about um, different vaccines and and their effect and how they've affected the population in the last what uh, over a hundred years. Right. Actually, nineteen hundred through nineteen seventy eight ish. Well, vaccines in conjunction with increases in medical science, increases in health science, sanitation, increases in nutrition. sanitation and everything else, we have been able to eliminate or at least minimize minimize the amount of damage that some of these diseases cause. Yeah. And it's people like this who are taking that science and basically um, waving their lily white asses at it. <laughs> Right. Well, mm, so last ass. week there was a United States mortality rates chart that was sent out by the Proud Parents of Unvaccinated Children Something group that flo on floated Facebook. around on Facebook. Yeah, it, yeah. it 
shows up every once in a while, and so one of my friends posted it. And what it does is it shows how measles, scarlet fever, typhoid, whooping cough, and diphtheria were all on the decline, uh, or at least, sorry, deaths per 100,000 were on the decline since the 1900s all the way up through sort of when they started doing the vaccines, giving the vaccines. Now, I find this to be quite disingenuous, as far as a chart goes. Because what it says is the deaths per 100,000. Okay, 1900 versus 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. As we said, sanitation, nutrition, antibiotics certainly increased. But this is just the deaths. So this is not incident rate or morbidity rate. So how many instances have happened? So yes, they can save people, but the people still have to go through this um, this problem. Now, in 1979, <laughs> there was an evaluation of the pertussis vaccine, which is whooping cough. And uh, the the problem that you have is you can't do, you know, a study. You can't do a controlled field trial <laughs> with infants born, you know, in 50 states and not give some of them the vaccine and give some other ones the vaccine. And that was even in 1979. We can sort of now because we have a lot of parents who aren't giving vaccines. Right. Right. And interestingly enough, we are having an increase in pertussis and measles and all these other Rubella. things. Rubella. All of the stuff that we can vaccinate against. Now, uh, whooping cough goes through like a two to five year cycle. So we'll get nothing for a couple of years and then we'll increase. So if it continues in- to increase or stay steady to the way it is, um, then we know that there's a problem, right? And there's our trial. But uh, the 1979 uh, study, it was a statistical analysis by Edward Mortimer and Paul Jones to try and figure out whether or not the pertussis vaccine actually was working. The vaccine was was a full vaccine. Now they're using a, a partially yeah. uh, the Tdap. They, they changed the, it in 1997 yeah. from being a whole dead cell of the bacteria to, to being partial. parts of the bacteria. Right. right, and that may be causing problems. That's, that's, a different, that's a different issue. That's this article right here. Okay, so what they said is, in the United States, 4.5 deaths per 1,000 in 1900 decreased to 0.003 deaths per 1,000 by 1974 due to pertussis. Okay? Okay. Now, they, they do say, yes, there was a decline in the mortality of, uh, of kids. And they were doing kids from 0 to 5 because they, anything older, you tend to survive, but it causes, causes problems. So since they, they're not quite certain why it was already on the decline, but... There's evidence that healthcare, uh, the ability to understand what's going on as it's happening, uh, treating it while it's going on, uh, is a good thing. What they did is they did a statistical analysis, and they said without the vaccine, given the current trend of decrease, they would expect anywhere from 4,000 to 8,000 deaths in 1970. So even with the downward trend, you'd still expect about uh, a minimum of about 4,000, okay? And what it turned out is, after they did the vaccine in 1940, and then a large adoption of it by the, ni- by the late, uh, late 40s, 48, they only had 52 deaths. 
Wow. So, statistically, it's showing that the pertussis vaccine absolutely was worth it. Um, now, one thing that you don't hear about is, oh, you know, yeah, kids survive the, the whooping cough. But what it can happen is it can cause brain starvation and can cause retardation or encephalitis. It can cause swelling of the brain. It can cause uh, permanent lung damage. It can do all kinds of things to the body because you're literally coughing yourself to death. So even if, if you survive, you may have lifelong problems. And I think, I think the people who are anti-vaccine ignore that. They, they treat whooping cough as if it's just kind of a cold. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, everyone's had the flu. <laughs> yeah, and they treat the same thing with measles, mumps, rubella, the flu. Yeah, and, and measles. You know, I think pertussis actually kills more people than, than the measles, but we're seeing an increase in, across the board of all of this stuff worldwide because of the anti-vaccination thing. It's going to be interesting in the next couple of years to see what happens. I, I well, think the fact of the matter is, is that we're already seeing an uptick in easily preventable diseases making this this uptick. Yeah, like Becoming, an order order of magnitude greater cases than than the, like last year. And these were year. diseases that were rapidly on their way to being. Right. Controlled right. to being not, essentially not, not, not a smallpox. Er, right, not eradicated like smallpox because no one gets vaccines for smallpox anymore. Yeah, but they were probably you know had we not had this uptake in a hundred years, some of these vaccines may not have been necessary. It's, it's possible. But and the problem with a lot of these diseases is that to achieve that herd immunity, especially with something like pertussis, we have to have something like like a ninety-seven percent vaccinated rate for so long. Thank you, people. Yeah. Thanks for setting science back. Exactly. Well, okay. So I think that we have firmly come down on the pro side of vaccines. Yes. Yes, we have. And we have said it very loudly and clearly, repeatedly, that we believe vaccines are good. But and they some people lives. don't want you to talk about vaccines or no. other words. No, in fact, the Department of Homeland Security, which I think is on the watch list. Damn it! Uh, <laughs> if you if you are curious as to our very odd statements at the beginning of this program, it's because those uh, those statements were comprised of of the watch of, uh, words on the watch list. Uh, the Daily Mail mm-hmm. uh, had a <laughs> now take it with a grain of salt, of course. It is. The but they had. They recently had an article uh, saying that the Department of Homeland Security had to release their handbook that they were giving people of the watchwords that they're looking at on social media and news sites. The 2011 Analyst Dex- Desktop Binder. Absolutely. And um, they sort of misrepresented it. In that they said, these are all the words that they're looking for on social media, so be careful. Because if you put these words in your posts, they're going to be all over you. Um, they're going to be crawling up your ass to the microscope. <laughs> but really, I mean, apparently the Department of Homeland Security... Apparently, the Department of Homeland Ding Dong. Exactly. <laughs> the Department of Homeland Security... All they do is they watch cable and surf the internet all the time and reading articles and looking for keywords. Now, it makes sense 
from a fact-gathering, information-gathering thing to see what's happening around the United States and the world to be watching out for incidents of all kinds. Uh, the DHS, that's the Department of Homeland Security, but I'm not going to keep on saying that. that because I'm having a problem with the words. You can't say that on the Internet. I know. Uh, so they watch the news outlets, and they're looking for basically anything. Anything from uh, some guy at... Fort Hood shooting people, or tornadoes, or natural disasters, or, or car bombs, or yeah, yeah Michigan any, militia. Yeah, militia is another one of the. Oh. Yes, it is. Yeah, the mission. Someone selling pork on the internet, right? <laughs> you know, and that's the thing that we, you go. How? I mean, if if these are the words they're looking for, why aren't they going after say Matt Lauer? Because he's saying these words. Every day. <laughs> right. Well, the, the nice thing is, if these are guidelines on things, so they have to fill out an incidents report. That uh, guy who's watching Matt Lauer's got to be really busy today. <laughs> they call it items of interest. And so when they come come upon an item, uh, item of interest, they have this form that they fill out, and they submit it, and it goes into a database, apparently. And that's what this, this desktop handbook thing is about, is what to look for. Uh, before you submit the, the 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 report, how to do that, and then then verify it, and then and then submit it. So the critical requirements: uh, potential threat to DHS or other federal state response units, facilities, and resources. So don't threaten them. Potential impact on DHS capability to accomplish the HSPD five mission. Identify events with operational value, corroborating critical information, and identifying media reports that reflect adversely on DHS and response activities. Now, if you so think about e- it... So either like an event that might slow their response, like a tornado getting having a problem with their, their responding to an area because it's a disaster area, yeah. or someone saying that the DHS had a bad response to a disaster of something. Precisely. Or, if you read it as um, it says, it could also be anybody saying, we've got to stop funding the Department of Homeland Security. <laughs> so if, Well, that's that, a bit cynical. It, but that's exactly yeah. what it says. Potential impact on DHS capability to accomplish the mission. Potential threat to DHS uh, response units. Identifying that media reports that, ad, that reflect adversely on the DHS and response activities. So uh, now that's also good business is to watch out for for you know uh, one stars on on on, on Google Yelp. Analytics or yeah, <laughs> uh, you know Foursquare. Oh God, I hit the DHS. So what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to be looking for um, certain certain categories now. So those those are the the requirements. And the interest categories include terrorism, uh, natural disasters, weather, emergency management, fires, trafficking, immigration, hazmat, nuclear, transportation, security, infrastructure, national security, health concerns, public safety. So it's basically any news that might cause problems in the United States, uh, anywhere in the world. Might be tangentially related to what the DHS does. Right, right. And it is Department of Homeland Security, so people getting sick with pertussis up in Oregon, for example, or Colorado, as a threat. Because, uh, I mean, 
you hear about the smallpox blankets right. <laughs> given so to the Native Americans. anti-vaxxers be on the lookout. Or exactly. people thinking their, their religion trumps the laws of the United States, so they right. might become a loud and obnoxious protest movement, like, I don't know, Tea Party, and yeah. um, cause problems for the homeland. Right. Exactly. So, what are the credible sources for information? Or, for sorry, credible sources for corroboration. Besides the Skeptic Wire podcast where everybody right. gets their news. So, first tier, these are the best, sources that construct the first tier platform include major news networks such as CNN and Fox, major net okay. newspapers such as USA Today and Washington Post, and international news such as the BBC and an International Herald Tribune. Those aren't the only ones I'm just surprised that they included Fox. <laughs> well, I, I believe <laughs> they are a major news. They, they organization. are a major, and, and I mean, they may skew facts a lot, but the general idea—I mean, you can corroborate that there was a riot in Syria. Yeah. Okay. Um, so stuff like that. Now, <laughs> granted. I can't say anything about it. Okay. Major network, uh, use networks, newspapers, and they list a whole bunch of them international. Second tier would be uh, government or specialized sites with specific focus, uh, often includes .orgs and .nets and .cos, and then partisan or agenda-driven sites, uh, such as moveon.org and Amnesty International. And third tier are tabloids, <laughs> popular <laughs> magazines like People Weekly, and compilation sites. Unless you're people. trying to find out about, I don't know, Beyonce's baby. Why are you going to People Magazine for, quote, credible... Well, you might... you might If Beyonce's baby has a chemical burn, you might want to right. know that. <laughs> you might find that Sean Penn has been in uh, Iraq baby. again talking about how the United States uh, sucks. And that may not be picked up by the major news networks first, but you have to go from a third tier, you have to find corroboration on On a a first tier. top tier. Yeah. So fortunately, it's not like they're just hunting around Wikipedia. Yeah, they're not necessarily going on Facebook, for example, and looking at your posts unless you make some sort of news. Like oh, my embolic coalition of reason. Hmm. Hmm. So, uh, it's the Daily Mail kind of fear mongered. Yeah, still a little bit of fear mongering. Uh, now I have a, I have a friend who's who's in security, and every time I text him, I always put in like a keyword just for the fuck, you know, just, <laughs> just to I'm fuck a, with him. I'm a bastard. Yeah, yeah. well, I do the same thing, so yeah. don't worry about it. So, uh, if you want, you can go back at the beginning of this uh, podcast and listen to it. And uh, Virtually all those words, except for those and A's. Yeah, most most of the nouns were from that list. Are from the list. Pork. So, if it really was something that someone was scouring the internet for these key terms and listening to podcasts and making transcripts of them, we would be in trouble. We would be noticed. Yeah. Well, but, here's, how, yeah. here's how you can tell if they are. We won't be back next week. <laughs> so if there is no Skeptic Wire podcast episode 61, it's probably because we're in jail. Yeah, so start up a chip-in campaign to get us bail money. Yeah, we'll if you can find sensible. us. Right. <laughs> I was about to say, we'll be in Guantanamo. <laughs> Which means we will never be released. Exactly. Yeah. But 
I guess that brings us to... Speaking of release... The The Lightning Lightning Round! Lightning Round! And that brings us to the Lightning Round! Lightning Round! A round that is lightning fast. And it's a round, and it's lightning. Ooh, um, no, you say it like that. So the lightning round, I, I'm going to say it this time. Uh, the the I don't know what I'm going to say though. The lightning round came about because there's all kinds of articles that we'd like to talk about, but we don't have time on the podcast, and so we dedicate 90 seconds, actually 180 seconds each, to talk about two topics, but not necessarily consecutively. So, um, who wants to start? <laughs> I guess I will. Donna will start this week. So, as an independent filmmaker, independent filmmakers and independent artists now are using a variety of topics, a variety of venues to actually raise money to do projects. One of those areas is the in, is Indiegogo, and basically it allows for uh, crowdsourcing. Your friends can donate one dollar, five dollars, ten, a hundred, two thousand, whatever amount that they can it's afford. Like Kickstarter, right? Um, Which is like Indiegogo. Right. There is a current (laughs) topic on Indiegogo called taking on the medical board. Basically, this woman is using Indiegogo to fund her campaign against medical board to defend, of all things, colon hydrotherapy. Uh Uh-huh. Basically, she has her clinic has been shut down because it's not owned by a MD, ND, or run by an RN as long as the clinic is on fifty one percent. Run by someone with a hose. Right. So basically, <laughs> she is trying to convince people to give her twenty thousand dollars to fight the medical establishment, so she can stick hoses of warm water up your bum. Hmm. Well, some people do that for pleasure, not for medical purposes. Right. Exactly. But she what, wants to get paid for it. Right. What gets me is that. Usually you offer perks, you know, like a postcard, a poster, and everything else. Her perks are virtual hug, eternal gratitude, and hero worship. That's pretty lame. You'd think, at the very least, that she'd give them, like... A free section? Yeah. A free ending. (laughs) But that's, that's pretty lame. She needs to up her game a little bit. I know. That's what I thought. Well, speaking of someone who didn't have game. Uh, This article comes to us from one of our listeners who posted on our site as Project Blasphemy. Um, In West Virginia, there is a Pentecostal pastor named Mac Wolford, who is the son of, what was it? Mr. Uh, Wolford? uh, He he had a dad. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Who was also... Who was also a Pentecostal pastor. Uh, his father died in eight, 1983 after having bitten by a snake. Because Pentecostals do a lot of snake handling, speaking in tongues. Well, these guys um, in particular. Yes. Yeah. And um, it was specifically, you know, these Pentecostals quote Mark 16, 17, 17 through 18, talking about the signs will follow and cast out demons. You'll speak with tongues and take up serpents, blah, 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 blah. Well, apparently, um, Mr. Mac Wolford, um, like his father before him, also died of a snake bite. Huh. Uh, 
just uh, this last weekend, I think it was, uh, he had this whole big outdoor service planned. Um, was I, I don't know if he was messaging or tweeting or whatever, talking about he's looking forward to having a great time and praise the Lord and pass the rattlesnakes, and he died. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. The only, uh, you know, I'll, since I have a few seconds to spare here, uh, there, uh, there's another article on the main site. that posted about apparently a panel of renowned astrologers predicted that Obama will will win the presidential election. And how <laughs> they can use the words renowned and astrology next to each other, I have no idea, but there you go. <laughs> there you go. I'm next. Gary, I tell have us stuff. important health news it appears that calcium supplements may be linked to a greater risk of heart attack now you don't say yes it's not to do to do with the calcium but rather the dosage and how quickly it it goes into the body so the authors of this study and this was done and oh, and by the German arm of the European Prospective Investigation into Cancer and Nutrition, 24,000 participants were done between the ages of 35 and 64. Uh, joined the study in 1994 through 98. They did a normal diet, and then their health was tracked for an average of about 11 years, during which time they had 354 heart attacks between them, 260 strokes, and 267 associated deaths. Happened. Okay, so after taking account of factors likely to influence the results, those whose diets included a moderate amount, 820 milligrams, of calcium from all sources, including supplements, had a 31% lower risk of having a heart attack. But those with an intake of more than 1,100 milligrams did not have a significantly lower risk, and then they looked at it and found that those taking vitamins and mineral supplements... Uh, who took calcium supplements were 86% more likely to have a heart attack than those who didn't use any supplements. That's pretty impressive statistic. So basically, get your calcium, calcium, get your calcium, get your calcium throughout the day, not in one giant honking dose at, at one time. I think is what they're trying to say. Yeah, when you first posted this article, I think to our uh, our, our secret site, not the main page. Um, oh, spoiler! Um, <laughs> I was originally thinking about the fact that a couple years ago, the product Rolades just disappeared off store shelves, and you know, drug stores, grocery stores. Maybe it's just being down here in Texas or whatever. But I was like, well, they have a lot of calcium in them. Did they know about this study ahead of time, and that's why they don't? Yeah, I don't know. Or did you just notice that over Memorial Day weekend when there's lots of barbecues? No, consistently. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. But, you know, started drinking less soda, so Rolaids was less of an issue. Right on. So, speaking of less soda... Yeah, cricket, I have no cricket, idea how that's going to work. And Donna! Donna. <laughs> well, in safety news, um, Manitoba is soon going to require that minors age 18 and under wear properly fitted and fastened helmets while riding a bicycle. Um, obviously, wearing a bicycle helmet is a, an important safety factor. It does help prevent a lot of injuries, as much as 90% in death and serious injury, all this jazz. So, way to go, Manitoba. You yeah. know, that's all I have to say. Now, the article posted by the Winnipeg, Winnipeg Free Press 
Do you read it? You get down to the very last line says there will be some exemptions to the new law, such as on religious grounds. <laughs> so I guess that's one of the books that the Council of Nicaea just, you know, happened to left out Book of Rufus, where it says, you know, <laughs> thou shalt not wear a helmet while riding a bicycle. Protective helmets. Uh, I, protective helmets, no condoms. I, I thought that the, the reason for this was people like Sikhs who wear turbans. They didn't want to wear helmets because they would have to take off the turban to put on a helmet. Right. I, I, okay, that makes sense. Or or Muslim women. And their burqas. And the burqas, yeah. Well, you can or put a jobs. helmet over a burqa. But Sikhs' turbans are fairly big and bulky. Hmm. And I remember somewhere reading about this idea that um, they had to do a scientific study to, with crash dummies to see what impact resistance a Sikh's <laughs> turban had, and it really didn't have much, so they said, you need to wear helmets. Huh. Sorry, I had I just, that. I love the, there will be exemptions due to religious crap. I was like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, helmets helmets are good. Um, I, I'm going to take a slight mulligan, just in case you haven't thought about it, uh, I, I ride a motorcycle, yeah. and the point isn't to wear the helmet for the high-speed crashes. The point is if you're sitting there and you fall over and hit your head. On the, on the low speed, because that's when you're going to get the brain damage and the, and the whiplash and, and all kinds of other things. I mean, because if you're going 65 miles per hour and hit the grill of a truck, your helmet's not going to do anything. Right. But if someone pushes you over or you get a leg cramp and you fall over, and this this is the same for bicycles or anything else, you know, you can do severe damage to yourself just by falling over. So wear a helmet. Yeah. And protective safety or, gear. Yeah. Or don't. I don't care. Well, Whatever. that's why it's good for those uh, Mormon boys you always see bicycling around yeah. with their little helmets. Yes, they do. Well, Gary, since you were talking, might, might as well go with your second lightning round. Blah, 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 blah. Or not. Not. No. I'm very proud to be a, in Texas, uh, to be a native Texan, because... Weirdo. Two more Texans are on the Southern Poverty Law Center's watch list of 30 influential radical right leaders and activists. Radical being the key word. So they're not talking about us? No. Okay. They're not talking about radical, dude. Nope. Uh, Number one on the list. Well, not necessarily number one on the list, but... uh, Anyway. Of the two, (laughs) the first one I'll talk about is is David Barton, whom we know from Outliers for Jesus. And this being a Christian nation. Um, Founder and leader of Wall Builders. And he, of course, now extends his views beyond Christianity as he advocates government regulation of homosexuality and has claimed that gay people died decades earlier than others and of more than 500 sexual partners apiece in their lifetimes. That is a lot. The next one is Alex Jones. Uh, actually, I didn't really realize that he was um, in Austin, but he is. That guy is a conspiracy theorist. Uh, he's on the radio. He's on YouTube. I think he has his own television program, and he spouts all kinds of crap. Very interesting. Uh, and <laughs> so he thought that the uh, Giffords thing was a mind control operation. Yeah, well, that bastard. So, yay, Texas! Oh, yeah. Everything's bigger in Texas, even the crazy. 
Well, <laughs> I'm going to go last, and I'm going to try to do a super-duper, uber-fast lightning round. Uh, we were talking a bunch about vaccines, but yes. we didn't get to talk about everything that we had looked up this week. No. Um, so I'm just going to try to get through as many of them as I can in the 90 seconds I have. So ready? Go. Go! Well, Luke Montagier, who was a uh, Nobel laureate in 2008 for discovering the HIV vaccine, uh, HIV uh, virus related to um, uh, AIDS, um, has come out, uh, he's, he's participating in the Autism One conference in Chicago <laughs> this last weekend. Yep. And, you know, he was out in, for homeopathy and had some a lot of crazy ideas, but now he's also anti-vax. He got there by, by teleporting all of his DNA and test tubes from one side of the country to the other. Right. Go ahead. That yep. is another one of his crazy claims. <laughs> and apparently back in 2008, he thought there was going to be a vaccine for HIV within four years, five years. Yep. Well, we're already there, and now he's a vaccine denier. I wonder Yay. if there's a connection. I might have to take a mulligan. Uh, the World Health Assembly, the 65th one, which include ministers of health from 194 countries, have talked about having a global vaccine action plan to basically make sure that there's more vaccines, introduce uh, new technologies, increase research, and all that. So that's good news. Yay! Uh, good news from Britain. They're talking about making sure that all children are vaccinated against the flu with a nasal spray vaccine, which is good news, making sure that everybody. And this entire article from The Telegraph, not one mention of vaccine deniers saying, no, we don't want that. It's all about the science is good. We should have vaccines for kids. Yay! Um, finished... Uh, Finnish scientists discover a vaccine to eliminate allergies, which Yay! might be really cool. And it was talking about, um, you know, how allergens affect Mulligan. immunoglobulin antibodies and stuff like that, and how they're going to try to essentially kind of uh, vaccinate that reaction to actually change the genetic building of things. Um, Yay! The... Oregon Health and Science University's Oregon National Primate Research Center, <laughs> ONPRC, um, is talking about a new method to create safe and effective vaccines using um, hydrogen peroxide to kill the, the viruses. So that's pretty cool. That's going to be interesting going inside the body. Yes. Uh, well, kill it first and then, you know, introduce it. So instead of killing it with formaldehyde and other things, they kill it with hydrogen peroxide, which is... A quicker and effective, safe way to... And more effervescent. Yes. And finally, I just want to give a little shout-out to Donald Lacey, um, who is a skeptic out of Arizona, who uh, has a regular column on the TuscanCitizen.com. You mean uh, Tucson Citizen? TucsonCitizen.com. He's going to kill me for that one. Ah, um, uh, <laughs> yes, those, uh, those uh, Tucson Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has an article about um, the mommy sense idea that, you know, people are trusting their mommy sense instead of actual experts. And he talks a lot about vaccines, so uh, I thought I'd give him a bit of a shout-out. He also has a uh, podcast called Desert Air Podcast. <laughs> They're a bit on a hiatus right now, but uh, you can go give them a listen. And that's my mulligan. Yay! I only went on for three minutes. That was a hell of a mulligan. Could have been worse. I've, I've had longer rants before in some yeah, of our live shows. That wasn't a rant. 
Yeah, I came really close to using the use your words. Use your words there. Well, as, as long as you don't do the Ig Nobel Prize thing, where if you go on too long, they have a little girl who says, I'm, I'm bored. Stop talking. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yep. So We don't have that. No. Nope. We're going to get it, though. I'll right. have the dogs uh, <laughs> leap on you and start licking you. Or you'll have a little soundboard where you can have like chicken noises, and sure. dogs, you know, barking and, and live sounds like we're some kind of weird morning radio show. Yes. Ha ha! That's hilarious. Funny. Welcome to WSAT. It's Gerg and the Bald Man. <laughs> And the chick. And the chick. Come for the brains, stay for the boobs. <laughs> well, we seem to have petered out there. <laughs> I was going to say, the boobs, the boobs, and the dude. <laughs> Wait a minute, only one dude? Which one of us is the dude? Well, I don't have boobs. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted you to actually come out and say that to me. Not just imply. Hey, I, I freely admit I got girls and they are large and in charge. <laughs> they just first thing that came to mind. I'm saying. <laughs> You're saying, man. Just be a joke, but no reason to get mad. Come on, bring it on. Bring on the insults. Come on. Because <laughs> no, that's pretty much it. That I'm that's fat. It. That's that's your original insult. I didn't say you were fat. Just have well, moves. That's the difference. I'm, you have I bitch have, tits. I have moves. Be- <laughs> I have moves because I'm fat. As I, I watch, you don't see someone who's completely and utterly thin except for man boobs. Yeah, uh, I was, it's I was, a complete. I, I was watching uh, Fight Club last night with the meatloaf character. Yeah, with the bitch tits. Yeah, I, and I stayed up till three o'clock to watch that stupid thing. Damn it. <laughs> Why? I don't know. wasn't like I wasn't tired. Yeah. Stupid. Well, maybe you should have just gone to AdamEve.com and bought some products. <sighs> Almost going an entire show without pimping them out. Thought we were safe. Wow. Yeah, but see, this is part of a conversation that I was thinking about just cutting out, so we'll see. Yay. Maybe. Because we're kind of having yeah, these real just... <laughs> big yeah. pauses. Yeah, we're just kind of <laughs> riffing here, and you know, if you are a fan of our musical contest, we do have a SoundCloud account, so you can yep. go listen to some of the older songs that we've done. And also, if you want, you can go to our Facebook page and like us, and suggest a theme for next month because we're yes. going to need a theme, and we're going to need that before next week. We need a theme by the I mean, by the time we so next week we're into June. By the time we do the next song contest, it'll probably be early July. We could do patriotism. In so it general. could be patriotism or something about the amazing meeting, or um, which is in early July or. Dormier. No, I think I think Flag Day and then July Fourth makes it a patriotic type of thing. So we could talk about any sort of form of patriotism, or you know, yeah. country, whatever. But if you listeners have a better idea, feel free to share it with us. Please do. And on that note, I think we shall cut this podcast short. Even Only it's not short. <laughs> you have no we idea how much we cut are. out. <laughs>
<laughs> so we hope to uh, well we hope that you will bring us into your mp3 player next week let us invade your ears again please that, that was kind of creepy okay sorry yeah <laughs> all right thanks for joining us we'll talk with you or at you next week bye-bye bye-bye, bye-bye. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the Podposted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Topic from Myambolics. Bialics. Bullocks. Myambolics. My own bullocks. It's a lot of blood of bollocks, is what the whole thing is. Is that what you're trying to say? Sure. <laughs> oh, this is going way, way off the rails. Me and my bollocks. <laughs> I was waiting for the bollocks. <laughs> It really was. That was the that was the bet that I'd made. I don't know where to go. Um.